Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's This Could Be Love. Step one, pick a song. Step two, talk about it. That's all I got. Step one, consult your Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were, and say, pick a song. Actually, pick a song, and then pick a song, because we did a a super poll over at patreon.com slash as you were. That, of course, being the Patreon page for As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim. His name is David. Correct. And we would like to welcome you to the number 892 ranked music podcast on Apple Podcasts. You know what I got to say to that? Breaking a record. Yeah. Good good job. I didn't even see a blip on the little thing. Fuck. Um but hey, that's why we're number eight hundred and ninety-two. Yeah, that really not explains number eight hundred and ninety-three or one, mm-hmm. depending on how you look at it. Yeah. But we said we said, hey, patreon.com slash as you were. We apologize for being missing. Yes. A couple weeks back. Yes. We're, we're kind of busy. And uh life happens. Oh, does it ever? He said, hey, first eight comments on this status become poll choices for a super poll. Bum, 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 bum. And you are hearing the winner of the superest super poll that's ever been super polled over at patreon.com slash as you were. This could be love. And you're probably listening to our episode about it on Spotify, which we're we can now be we can now be found. I know. How and nice is that? It's a so lot of cool. news, really. Oh, so not much only news. Was there a super poll? Not only are we on Spotify. Not only do our Patreon subscribers now have really cool gifts that have been sent to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a real great song to talk about here today. Do we ever? My word, track number one on Good Morning. Band's fourth LP, second for Vagrant Records, mm-hmm. first with Derek behind the drums. Yep. This could be love, which I tell you what, I heard the demo, I was excited, but demos can hardly communicate what Jerry Finn was able to communicate with that guitar sound. Just, oh my God, what a riff. It's such a riff. I... In uh, pre-pro, we were talking about this one, and it's hard to think about a lot of like riffs that this band has. You know, there's a lot of parts that are really memorable, but like it's a lot of lines. Yeah, but when we're talking about a guitar riff, that's one of them. That's one of them. And I tell you what, Matt, who leans so heavily on the octaves, mm-hmm. probably took it to its fullest extent with "From Here to Infirmary." Yeah. Really changed up a lot in his guitar playing in between that record and this one. I mean, I think when we look at the early evolution as of him as a guitar player, which we've spoken about before, there's that really early demo era, kind of like through '97, where you can hear him kind of trying to do a lot, and mm-hmm. then he kind of abandons that a bit. 
Yeah. But you really see it come back here in a way that he's, I think, a more deliberate and patient player on Good Morning than maybe any other record. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, this mm-hmm. riff kind of is coming at you, just going for the throat right away. But there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of subtlety. There's a lot of moving away from the tricks he's used on the past three, four you know, releases. And I think it serves it very well. You know, hearing this record from the first time, being a fan of the band, going, getting this record day of release, I was very excited. Mm-hmm. Very, very excited. And uh, because I refuse to listen to the demos in the lead up. <laughs> okay. I'm a purist, they say. Uh, and putting this record on the first time was just like, whoa. Oh, yeah. And it's hard for me. We'll get into it a little bit more. It's hard for me not to compare it in many ways to Private Eye for I think a lot of what's happening in the song both uh, in terms of lyric writing in terms of how they're trying to build it but this feels like an even bigger step forward from a lot of what he was going for on From Here to Infirmary yeah I mean it feels very much like a single even though this wasn't released as as the single the single for the record was yeah. uh, we've had enough but this is a different type of songwriting from Matt similar to Private Eye where it's it's not necessarily Matt Skiba singing the songs to you it's it's a weirdo kind of a weirdo yeah I mean I think that's what always jumped out to me about you know listening to From Here to Infirmary the first time which is Private Eye I think has a you know a pretty iconic similar riff I would say Mm -hmm. um and I've always had a lot of affection for it because obviously Matt's not singing about his authentic experience. He's created a character who he's singing through. And I always think it's interesting how with some artists, it's very clear to it's very easy to see that you're like, oh, this isn't him. This is him doing a thing. And I think privatize that. And I think uh, this could be love is very much that. But I think. You know, hearing Private Eye the first time, I was like, oh, there's some like really weird lines about like uh, watching flies fuck on Channel 11. Though I did have a friend who thought the line was watching Grand Funk on Channel 11, which is, you know, That'd be pretty cool. Why not? Uh, <laughs> no, that's not boring at all, man. Watching Grand <laughs> Funk? It's, Hell yeah. It's a definitely a line where you're like, how? Why? Yeah. Um, but this one, you know, he's shitting in bed and he wants to set Dude, himself on fire because he's that, sexually attracted to it. Is is I shat the bed and laid there in it the weirdest thing that he's ever said in a song? Probably. Uh, it's hard to think of something stranger than that. What a bold fucking line that is. It's like, man, it's like seeing a family member naked where you just kind of block it out i've heard this song literally hundreds of times and past the first time i have not thought about that line well because it's so bothersome i mean the first time you hear it you can't not be like pause what yeah what wait hold up did I, I I must have misheard. And you can't really investigate it that Maybe much. Maybe you said I sat in bed. <laughs> because, yeah, I sat in bed, and, and then I laid, laid there. <laughs> yeah, I had a very pleasant little Saturday. Uh, the song is about relaxation. Um, you can't really come up to that question, though, right? It's, it's no. a lot easier to just be like, okay, moving on. Mm-hmm. 
And then the chorus is no less troubling. Mm-hmm. Step one, slip my throat. Step two, play in my blood. Like, excuse me? Albeit a little bit sillier. A, a little, little bit, bit more sillier. playful. It's more playful, but it is like, if you're a you know 13-year-old hearing it, you're kind of like, what is this? Because this band had been dark before. Let's mm-hmm. not pretend that there weren't moments of like, you know, uh, some tuck, very, very tuck me into a bed with snakes. Right, you right. Know, like there was always some weird shit going uh-huh. on. Or but, just, I'm cripplingly depressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my friend, he's even worse. <laughs> yeah, you know, but this was very like, you were going out on a limb that when you consider the time and place of this record where, you know, we've got a band like AFI putting out Sing the Sorrow, which very similar uh, iconography and color schemes and, you know, but that's... uh I wouldn't say girls not gray is the same as this could be love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was there was a darkness that was starting to permeate and kind of come through a lot of music, which would lead up to the My Chemical Romances, the world, yada, yada, yada. But in that point, like, to me, this was like, though, this felt more fucked up than a lot of stuff. It felt more fucked up. And something that you pointed out was that it's pretty defiant when you think about the mm-hmm. fact that this band is kind of on a track. Yes. And... They put this song first, and I mean, I don't know how things go over at the uh, the PRMC or whatever bureau is involved in putting the stickers onto things. Sure. But not burying this one into the later uh, half of the record, you're... You lose uh, the chances of this not uh, getting picked up and being like, oh, all right, well, we need to put a sticker on this because I listened to the first 14 seconds of it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing is like it's it's really easy for me to speak to the fact of like hearing this and kind of like I felt about a lot of music when I was younger, like kind of being put off. But that just making me more curious about it, you know, something that kind of. I don't want to say scared me. This was not like a scary song, but like something where I'm like, what the fuck? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I just wanted to know it more. I wanted to investigate it more. I wanted to figure it out a little more. And this song definitely had that, but I could see this song also having the opposite reaction in two groups of people. One, the 13 year old who puts it in and was like, I like Blink-182. What the fuck is this? Throw it out the window. And then eventually buy it again when Matt joins Blink-182. Or... I'm 29 now. <laughs> yeah, I'm 29. This is cool. Um, or the person who is like, I saw them in the fireside in 1997 and like saw them a bunch and then put this on and was like, what is this glossy bullshit? What the fuck's he singing about? Yup. And I remember being a freshman in college and uh, the cool uh, senior who had all the keggers at his place on Thursday nights on Floor Away. In normal Illinois, I'm not saying the name of this person because he turned out to be a real piece of shit, but he was a he was a big Alkaline Trio message board person, would go see them at the Fireside Bowl pretty much whenever. Sure. Fucking hates this record. And that was it. That yeah. this was it for him, and obviously we know that I reached my point a couple years later. It happens. It happened to all of us. Well maybe not all of us, but a lot of us. This is something that is it's if Private Eye wasn't enough, yeah. this is so just defiantly like, we're making this thing and it's it's 
not what it used to be yes. in a lot of different ways. It's not what it used to be in that where he's making something up and he's being really, really silly. But also, this is definitely made for a larger audience, all of the profanity and weirdness notwithstanding. Yeah, no, I mean, musically... And production-wise, very clean. I think his voice sounds really cool on this track. He sounds kind of sinister. Um, there's a lot about it that feels like they are trying to take that next step up. I think you see that in... The song just really, like, sets the tone for the record that it's going to follow. You know? Yeah, it certainly does. It's it. The, Good Morning, I think, is probably the least apologetic that this band ever was. Mm-hmm. I feel like Crimson is up there too, but the but Crimson already had an established right point because of this, and, you know. And I don't think that I don't think that From Here to Infirmary really quite makes the jump that this one does. No, this one is like I I feel like they are aware of all of their counterparts having yes. reached the points that they have. Alkaline Trio is fucking going for it here. And I mean, I was thinking about it this morning. I was listening to this song for the, I could listen to this song over and over again till I die. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. I think I've had three favorite bands in my life. That's a title that I don't, I don't switch often. Huey Lewis in the news. (laughs) This record came out and... This was probably my favorite band if I didn't have the title on them. This sure, sure. was Same. my favorite band putting out a record and I was so ripe for it mm-hmm. and it felt so good because I knew that it was bigger than anything else. Yeah. And I was fucking there for it. Well, I mean, I think this is this is an interesting record in that respect because I think everything through Infirmary, even if you don't like Infirmary, you can see kind of along a line. You know, I, I would not say Infirmary is nearly as adventurous as the records that precede it, but you're like, oh, there's still good punk songs and it still sounds like them. This is a, it's a different world. And I think for me, I was at the point where like, I was so into them. They were my favorite band. Like I was just excited for this record and wanted it to be this. And I just wanted to champion it and I wanted to play it for people. But I definitely remember playing it for people who were friends of mine. Are like, I don't like it as much as Infirmary, hmm. which, like, at the time, I think I understood a little bit because it was pretty different. You know, like Dan's songs are not "Take Lots with Alcohol" or "Crawl," really, and Matt's songs, especially like in the first half of this record, when you're looking at "Continental" or "All on Black," that's not Armageddon. Yeah, you know, I could see why someone would maybe feel more of a divide from this. However, for me, I was very much on board, you know, and I think when you bring up the point of their contemporaries, even just looking at Vagrant, like, it's like the inverse of fucking Saves the Day, where he was singing about, like, I pulled out my spleen and you ate it for blah, 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 and then on Stay What You Are. literally every body part that's, that exists in the human body yeah. is, uh, is mentioned in that record at some point. And then Stay What You Are is like, I said I'd walk you home, <laughs> whereas... Matt Skiba is going from like I've lost it all to like I'm gonna shit in your mouth. Like, it's there's a lot of difference here. <laughs> I'm gonna shit in your mouth. Um, we gotta put he that goes on a full T-shirt. GG, Alan. <laughs> Matt Skiba, I'm gonna shit in your mouth. 
Um, it, it's interesting when you when we talk about when we talk about it because there's such an arbitrary nature to that isn't my band or that's stupid because I don't like the song Private Eye because I think that it is stupid. <laughs> sure. This song... He watched Grand Funk on Channel 11. What's not to like? I, that's smart. He <laughs> should have done that. And that <laughs> but This Could Be Love is, is infinitely stupider. Yes. I'm just there for it. I mean, it's one of those things that is so bold. This mm-hmm. song needs... 100% full commitment. You can't kind of just half step in and be like, hey, I'm going to write a song about like a person I'm into and like shit in the bed and want them to set me on fire and then kill me and then like throw me in the river. You can't really use that as the premise and then just be like, but I actually like want the chorus to be really like uplifting. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. That's the chorus of the song is just like murder me and then throw me in a lake. That That is a choice, you know? I think that there's something really beautiful in the experience of just hearing that riff, hearing things quiet down, Matt, his voice. Holy shit. Which is crazy because like obviously he was having a lot of vocal problems and that's this record is the document of that. Mm-hmm. It fits it so much better than whatever else could have happened. Like, he sounds so fucking ragged and desperate and gross that it actually makes this song better. It's more believable. Yo, because his voice is the voice of someone who has been awake for a long time. Yes. You know, you you look at, at him... Just, I just picture him just so depleted in that vocal yeah. booth. He hasn't seen sun in in weeks, and there, I there's such a magic to to listening to Derek play. Mm. Yeah. He's he's subdued during the verses, but he's still he's hitting all those little flare spots that he can on the it's, hi-hat. It's not super straightforward, mm-hmm. you know, though it, it can appear that way. I think he was such a demarcation point, too, of like he definitely makes a lot of the material on this record feel different from what was happening before. Like, as we've discussed at length, like, Glenn's never going to be pulled back in this way. I think Mike's never going to be pulled back in the same way. But now you have someone who is very good, very technical, very proficient, and is like pulling back, but just putting tiny little accents after a phrase, mm-hmm. you know, throwing them in in weird little spots and like really being able to make the chorus of the song pop and really make that bridge and build up super effective where it sounds very simple, but he's he's carrying a lot of weight. You know, he's got an understanding of what needs to happen in every point. And is just knocking it out of the park. He's just such a perfect drummer for this band, who mm-hmm. is going from playing on playing on a tiny stage to playing on a bigger stage. He's yeah. a drummer that belongs on risers, no matter where he is. You know. Yeah. And that slow build up to four short steps, we can erase that with that bump, bump, bump. Yeah. Which isn't it's not overblown no. which i really like too there's nothing like 
added or overdubbed well, on it. They aren't like leaving a little space around it to like be like he says it and then it happens mm-hmm. and then it comes in. Like it's just a very natural evolution and like it is a perfect way to just kind of pivot that song in. You know, like it's it's the type of thing that could be and maybe for some people is super corny, but like I think it's just a very natural decision to make. Because coming back from going into the instrumental and then going into that i found you tongue-tied in my twisted little brain it's such a nice move to just have those rings going and everything's a little bit looser and then it tightens back up yeah goes into this chorus step one and i've always loved the vocal tracks the harmonies on here because it's not just dan it's i feel like it's Dan, Matt, and Derek have yeah. separate vocal harmonies happening. Yeah, I mean, they have to. I mean, I think one of the big things that is often missed in discussing Derek is that he adds a lot in terms of like backing vocals, both live and I think on record in very subtle ways. He has a way of sounding almost like the in-between voice between Matt and Dan yeah. vocally in, in his register. So I think he's just kind of slots in in ways that are very subtle and really propel his material. Like, obviously, uh, Glenn would do that, but when you listen to it, it sticks out a little more. It's a, ah, like yeah. a 97. Derek, Derek and Matt are so similar that yeah. it's, when you hear them phrase the same thing, it all it sounds like Matt, but you'll notice, like, differences kind of towards the end of it. Yeah, and it means, more distinct. Uh, I think the biggest version of that is Don't Say You Won't, which, like, you know, it's he's very much saying that please don't say you won't part but you couldn't very mm-hmm. much in passing think that's matt yeah you know um so i think derek is is really i i think there's songs on this record that better highlight how skilled he is i think that are maybe more interesting but there's not someone else who's been in this band who would play this song like this and it really kind of establishes that this band's going to have an elasticity to be able to write a song like this or then, you know, immediately go into uh, We've Had Enough, which is just that big drum roll that mm-hmm. kind of builds. Similarly, like, not in the way that anyone else who had previously been in that position would do with this band. You know, I think this serving as an album opener, too, and really for a lot of people's experience, a lot of the older fans' experience, this is something that's just like, oh, not my band. Yeah, See ya. totally. But... If you look at the first half of Good Morning, which we have, just yeah, we checked hit basically off, all of it. The thing that we've talked about a lot with it is just the cinematic mm-hmm. aspect to it. Songs like All in Black, Continental, and and starting things off in this way, I think, really sets the tone mm-hmm. to make things bigger. Yeah, that it's it's not a song that has to be about matt and how he's doing and well it's a good thing i'm not bike messaging anymore but at the same time i still feel like shit yeah it's it's more cinematic it's it's larger it's it's got a whole depth to it that when you get into the heavy shit like continental and all on black it feels so raw yeah and also so huge Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I think one of the things I've always been curious about with with him in particular, 
especially during this period, is like very curious what he was listening to um, in the writing stages of this record, if only because like I think it's a little easier to spot influences before, but you know, them being on Warp Tour and doing these big like opening slots, like I never got the sense that he was like in the bag for everything that was happening around him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he was still discovering things like Sisters of Mercy or whatever the fuck. And I would just be really curious to see if he was at all trying to be reactive to the world he was now in. You know, if he was trying to really plant the flag and be like, nah, we're weirder than all that. Yeah. And he probably doesn't remember any of it, so there's no point in asking him. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm very... It's been weird to see him now kind of fully be consumed by being pop-punk royalty and just, yeah, that's fine. You know? Like, I don't know what he's listening to (laughs) you're saying listening to in a in a historical sense or what is happening around him or those two things separately because it's like yeah yeah you're you're opening for blink 182 but it it seems like you are getting so into your goth guy thing yeah um you're obviously trying to transpose your interest in goth guy thing into that world mm-hmm. whereas now you're just yeah whatever's around is mm-hmm. is how i read it a little more yeah maybe that's unfair but like you know what i mean like there's there is this weird thing of like there is some sort of push and pull between clearly what he wants to make and what he's consuming and i don't think you really see that again i think this is a record where you see a lot of him digesting things and contextualizing things that surface in the music in more subtle ways it's just this is my favorite period of this band and it i guess putting it in the context of i think you know i I don't know i guess i don't know what the what the temperature was with from here to infirmary Mm mm-hmm it's it's hard to go back and and think of how that was received. Yeah. Then because I look at it as a transitional record. Sure. Um and I think that it's interesting when you put it in in terms of the fact that he's writing so much about writing. Mhm. But once you do the hot water music split, once you get into yeah. this territory, everything's just open. Yeah, there's a lot more room in these songs. And I think that's the big thing that you really see with this material and uh, the Hot Water Split being the first real kind of seeds of it is that you're seeing him allow more space. There's more open space in these songs. The riffs aren't as consuming. He's not playing guitar the entire time and just doing a little dropout. Like he's clearly writing with intention to have these songs still be punk songs, but have a moodiness, have a space in them, have a room to them that you don't hear in a lot of other people. Um, though very clean and very pristine, this isn't a brick-walled production of everything at 11 the whole time. Mm-hmm. He's allowing things to drop out and pull back and build. And, you know, obviously that kind of then manifests in Crimson, which is a little bigger and I think fuller. But I think he's allowing himself to not shade everything in with this record and a song like this really highlights that there's a lot of space, there's a lot of room, and you can feel like this is still three people playing these songs. Well, it's like once once he stops leaning on the octaves, mm-hmm. once he, and I don't know how he comes to the conclusion that he can, 
you know, he doesn't have to think about filling everything. He mm-hmm. can do a guitar line that's like Queen of Pain. Yes. Or a Continental. Or he can do this, which is just a two, you know, two string lead. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, shackles are off. Mm-hmm. You can you can explore more. Yes. And his songwriting has never been, you know, too differential in terms of structures. Yeah. But this is such a period of expanse and I think it's because it's got a lot to do with the fact that he's just writing a lot of his guitar parts differently. Yes. And like you said, space allowing mm-hmm. it to happen. Um and he's really just found such a good rhythm with what he's talking about. Oh yeah, lyrically. for sure. Uh, it's like it's like what he's doing on here. I'm so happy with because it's like you're going off and doing something that's a little bit a little bit away from where you were, but you're stretching in so many different directions that I'm so down with this part of it. Well, I mean, I think to really talk about the stretching of it, let's look at the vocal melody as opposed to a song like Private Eye, where I think you can see a lot of him both before and after this. You know, before is obviously him establishing his identity as a songwriter and vocalist, but it's a lot of the holding out the last note. Mm -hmm. You know, you see it on Cringe, you see it on Private Eye, you see it on a lot of stuff. There's not that much here. You know, he says a phrase. He can't. (laughs) Yeah, he can't. But he says a phrase and he'll also let it sit. Yeah. There's a lot of room around those lines in the verse, you know, like he's letting it just kind of be there. You know, he's not trying to fill in every single space. He's not trying to trail out of stuff, but lead into stuff, which mm-hmm. I think is a big difference than what we saw prior. And then obviously in the later era, he just kind of then leans back on like, oh, let's hold out this note for a long time. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Because it, it's like the the melody... It's in line with the lyrics. Just yep. that build, that's that that setting that he has. It's so strange. It's so dark. It's just so fucking perfect. Yep. What do you give it? Five out of five. It's a fiver. I mean, it's it's this record's got a lot of them for yeah. me. Dude, I think the Crimson Side A is is my favorite. You mean Good Morning? So, yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's my favorite side of of an alkaline trio. Yeah, thing. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to quantify, but like when I think of that record, it just it flows so well. Obviously, it's there's not much, there's nothing I would change. Every one of the songs I think is great. Mm-hmm. I would say the weakest of them is probably a hundred stories, which is also great. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't. As I've said before, it wasn't until doing this podcast that I and really dissecting some of the stuff that I realized how fucking well put together this record well, is. Well, I mean, we you, we just talked over on Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we've been talking about it in, in sort of different, you know, iterations. I got to get that thing taken care of. Um, discographies. Yes. And the I think that this has been such a great exercise in, in realizing that this record doesn't just happen. This no. this record is a lot of choices being made. It's a lot of things being done differently. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot to do with changes in personnel. Whole whole mess of things. Yeah. But 
it just it it involves a lot of chances being taken. It involves a lot of we're not doing that, we're doing this. Yes. And it's also it's fucking lightning in a bottle. It's special time for everybody in this band. Yeah. Just as developing writers and performers and fuck. I fucking love this band so yes. much. And you know what? I'm going to go out right now. Anybody anybody who comments, anybody who leaves a fucking rating on this podcast saying that we don't love this band can go fucking crawl in a hole because I love this band so much. You know what they can do? They can shit the bed and lay there in it. There you have it. Follow us on Spotify and subscribe. And you know what? If you haven't given us a rating over on Apple Podcasts, you can do that. That helps us. Maybe we can become uh, number 873. That would be great. By next week. Um, and uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were is a way for you to help support the show. Keep the lights on keep the coffee supplies flowing mm -hmm. and yeah we uh we invite you to go on over there and check it out we have a few different tiers of monthly pledges uh you put some money in one way you get to vote on the songs you put in a little bit more you get some fucking cool merchandise no matter what we're gonna be on whatever channel you're listening to right now free next week regardless we invite you to come back and join us next week. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, folks. I'm gonna shit in your mouth. I'm gonna shit in your mouth. I'm gonna shit in your mouth. I'm gonna shit in your mouth.